and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Ingle. And I'm George Hendricks. And today we're discussing Minute 29. Minute 29 begins with Hicks enjoying Ripley's loader prowess and ends with Ripley staring at the dropship. And uh, yeah, that's George Hendricks back again for day four. Thanks for coming back, George. Anytime you need me, man. And uh, we got Katie and Margaret back again today, too. Thanks for coming back. Hi. Hi, thanks. All right, so we're right in the middle of Ripley sort of stomping around in the loader still. And we're going to get a nice wide shot of it, her picking up some sort of a container. Doesn't really matter what that is, says it. Um, and in the background, there's another loader. Uh, I would say it's Spunkmeyer, probably still working on whatever he's working on. And I think we're probably going to have uh, quite a discussion about the nature of the effect that's going on behind Ripley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that so, is not Spunkmeyer back there. No, it is not. No, 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 no. I, I did not talk to you. It's <laughs> totally Ripley. Also, Why make two puppets? You mean Spunkmeyer didn't just suddenly turn into like a paper mache doll? And I was wondering if it was an yeah. alien Ripley, but I bet that they did not make action figures for the original alien. But if they did, like, <laughs> no, just it's they used the, it is a Ripley puppet, and they it actually was used for the final battle scene with the oh, queen. Yeah, yeah. but they, they used it for that. They just redressed it in a Marines uniform. Not that you really notice. That. I know it's yeah. so quick. It's very similar draw so lines. I can see that. Oh yeah, and why make a whole new puppet just for that? Yeah, yeah actually, but- oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, there's no reason because nobody's ever going to stop and watch this I thing. I know, right? One minute. Who would do that? It's crazy um, people. In only. the future, people are going to. <laughs> what? That model, I was picturing, you know, looking at that and knowing that it was probably a small scale model. I'm picturing like a Barbie doll size. Yeah. So when we make puppets for stop motion, they're generally between eight and 12 inches. Uh, realistically for uh, commercials, they're about eight inches tall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was picturing. Yeah, and then too. I was looking up the miniature in quotes. I'm using air quotes here because the miniature is actually like the size of a man's torso. Wow. It's really pretty big. Like two and a half, three feet. Mm-hmm. Unless wow. there was a smaller one that they used for that, but. The ones that I saw were the only- still pretty big for, as far as I'm concerned, and yeah. Katie's concerned yeah. for stop motion, which is another reason why I'm, this is definitely not stop motion. I just thought, I thought it was, my understanding was it was a rod and marionette. So it was rods yeah. for the feet. And so they push up with rods for the feet. And then there's marionette at the top. Yeah, like cables. Puppeting the arms. the arms. Yeah. Which is so cool. But, I mean, everything that you find says it's go motion, which is yeah. the process of... I actually don't know that much about it, but it was actually invented by Vladislav Sterovich back in the 20s. But it was used by ILM and Stan Winston for uh, the Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. For the because, The Tauntauns. Well, for the Tauntauns and the Adats. Because stop motion, if you have it in a scene with an actual thing that's moving in real time, it looks drastically different because you're taking pictures of that while it's still. So there's mm-hmm. no blur. So go yeah, motion is putting the blur on mm-hmm. it. I kept replaying the thing walking in the background, and it just looks puppeteer. So to me. what? What work. I would call go motion in a stop motion term would be something that moves just a tiny bit while you're taking that frame, so you get that blur. blur. But I think what they're calling go motion, they just didn't want to call puppets. Is that? And well, that's a good theory actually, <laughs> because the rancor, I know they always call that go motion, and it and it's a guy with a puppet in his hand. 
I think it's just they were trying to find a they're trying to find a term that wasn't puppet puppeteering because it's not quite Yoda, but it kind of is. And they did it. Obviously, it is not stop motion. No, because when you look, I mean, looking at it, I've seen a lot of stop motion now in my day. It just doesn't look like it's, <laughs> it's stop not motion, motion animated. Definitely yeah. not even if you put a blur on stop yeah. motion. No, it's live action. I think it's puppeteer. Yeah, it's a puppet. But it's so cool. That's just our two cents. There's but... so many cool puppets in this movie. Yeah. Like when I was watching that behind the scenes stuff, there was puppets, puppets, puppets. So many face hugger puppets and the alien queens a puppet. And I a bunch of aliens themselves are puppets. The practical oh, so stuff much is so much better. So good. And it gives the actors something to play against. I mean, obviously in this case, it's just in the background and they're not reacting to it, but everything that's not so a tennis ball on a stick has gotta be better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I was also reading that actually Aardman uses go motion still. See, I think they use what we would call go motion, where you get some movement, like you go, so if you're shooting on ones, so there's 24 frames of film in a second, and when you animate, Aardman animates mostly on twos, that's why they're a little bit more um, jerky, whereas uh-huh. Leica animates mostly on ones. That means ones. you shoot two frames at once instead of once. So they move the puppet and they go click, click, and then they move the puppet and they go click, click. And so they do 12 movements for 24 frames of film. Or if you shoot on ones, then you go, you move and go click. And then you move and go click, move and go click. And you do that 24 frames to make a second. But then what I would call go motion within a stop motion framework is in order to get that blur. And that's one of the things that your brain is seeing is incorrect about beautiful Ray Harryhausen stuff is it's not blurry. Um, so then you would, would like move it while you're clicking and that's where you get the blur. And oftentimes that'll happen with a bit of animatronics. So you have, uh, the, you say you're going to move from here to here in this span of time computer and the computer goes while the frame is clicking. And that's how you get the blur. And that's what I would consider go motion at this time. Okay. But what they were calling it, I think they were just trying to find a fancy, a pretty word for puppets. Interesting. That's like we're too badass to have really puppets. Possible. We're go-bo-shit. Well, yeah. the Muppets were really big and all that, like Rod and Marionette. That's very Muppet. Which I don't see mm-hmm. as a bad word, but I could see people wanting to not use that word. Who knows? And go-motion was becoming more prominent, right, around this time. So maybe they just wanted to... Who knows? In the in the publicity, maybe they just wanted to, you know. Well, we know how James Cameron is. Like for instance, he always wants to be on the cutting edge of technology, so he's probably going to uh, fudge facts, maybe even a little bit if he has to, to make it sound as if he is on that cutting edge. So to say, oh, we use some puppets is not going to be something James yeah, Cameron's. Yeah, the word puppet say. is the word puppet is just so off-putting to people. I think this yeah. is actually one of the last films where they used it, though, for I'm special sure. effects, yeah. because then everything went CG. Well, you got RoboCop ne- the next yeah. year. There's tons well, of go-motion Ed 209 stop-motion or go-motion? Ed 209 was stop-motion. <laughs> the same guy whose name I had written down, but I forgot. It's like Sparky. It's something really fun. Uh, he, did, <laughs> he did Ed 209, and he did the Terminator from the 1984 Terminator, and he did some AT-AT stuff. So you're saying, wait, you're saying Ed 209 is stop motion. He is stop motion. He is a puppet and he is stop motion. So that's basically the difference of being filmed on a set uh, separate, just separate at a totally different time. And I I would think that James Cameron would really like a puppet because if you are in a room with someone, you can do a hundred takes of a puppet and you can say, oh, because it's a performance. 
in a different way. And you can say, oh, make him walk faster, make him walk slower, make him turn to the left, make him turn to the right. And you can do a hundred takes and you can decide which one you like. Whereas stop motion, in order to do a walk, that might take three whole days for an animator. So you have to set it up and you have to say, it's going to be here on frame one and it's going to be here on frame 300. And you he needs to walk and turn, you get what you get. And if you are, want to reshoot it, then it's a big deal. And that's why okay. he said it was going to be too expensive um, to do stop motion. And I think that's a big part of it. And I can see with these awesome rod puppets and they're so beautiful mm-hmm. that that gives the director a whole lot more freedom to change things and, and really get it the way he wants. I think I also want to correct myself. I think I said Stan Winston, but it's more a Phil Tippett thing, the go motion. Phil Tippett. Phil Tippett. But Stan Winston did the, a lot of these effects. Uh, yeah, but I also knew that I'm yeah, going to make sure that we mentioned all right. Have we settled this then? I guess it sounds like we have. I think it's, I think it's puppets, but they wanted to call it something fancy. Or yeah. what we would call go motion. What we'd pro- call go motion is professional stop motion animators. It's different than we would call it. Yeah, yes, definitely. <laughs> Not. I'm going to guess that we're going to get some input on this oh, one. Oh, I'd be super from, yeah, I hear what people have to say. Yeah. yeah, we might. Maybe we'll even be able to reach out to someone via Twitter or something and get the answer. We'll find out. Uh, stay tuned, everyone. All right. Well, so after we get this shot, I mean, okay, well, I guess we have to talk about how we, how do we feel about the button on this scene? Uh, Ripley, her little stance to the turn and the cut to the close up uh, ish kind of, it's a little bit more of a medium shot, I get, but it's, but it's kind of a close up of Ripley uh, saying, where do you want it? Do we like this? Is it a little cheesy? Is it a little on the nose? What do we think? I like it. Screaming for you to say, that's what she said. <laughs> and I'm sure had that been a thing at the time that would have been a regular but no I, I love her expression I'm I love sorry, like, the little like like little eye squint and a little half smile like she because she knows she did good she's like I've got and so that that, that again that confidence is just brimming in this scene but and there's I feel also like, a double entendre yeah exactly meaning like stick it where the sun don't shine <laughs> <laughs> Bay 12, please, is what he says. Like, what, is it, what exactly is Bay 12 yeah, here? Quotation folks? marks behind that. Oh, is that a youth? Yeah. Elbows and assholes. Yeah. <laughs> if you're into that. Well, yeah, I, th- I, I think that there, we're definitely going back to last minute where she's proud. She has that sense of pride about oh, the fact yeah. that she can do yeah. this. And she wants to impress them, and she lands it. I mean, she's landing it here. Yeah. I mean, I got to admit that I like it, but there is that little twinge of, ugh, like the, it's almost like something about the shot. It's a little too pristine or something. I don't know, but there's something about it that just makes me like a couple of things in this movie that I like, but at the same time, uh, somewhere deep down, I recognize that it's pretty cheesy. That's that's what I feel here. So I'm a I, I'm a like ninety percent like ten percent kind of cringy on this I, moment. But I think some of this is us seeing it in 2017, where we work with men and women in the workplace and it's not even a big deal. But I think, yeah. I mean, how long did working women come after this? I, I think women were just starting to be in the workforce and starting to be seen as equals. And even though this is set in the future, the real, the realism is women, women's lib was sort of a big thing and women were still fighting for equal rights. And so I think even within the movie, I think that was more about the reality of 1986 than, than that movie. It was her yeah. saying, I can do this. This movie's so serious in a lot of me places. And there's like, there's so much like intensity and like, you know, cause this is like basically a, once it gets past this little like, like opening, it's just pretty much nonstop. 
Oh, that's yeah, what I was, Is this the last there. smile, like the last light point in the movie? I was when I was watching these minutes. This is the top of the roller coaster, and you've been going chuk 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 chuk, mm-hmm. and that smile is when the brakes release and you go whoosh, and the whole rest of the movie is just action. Yeah, as soon as Pharaoh hits that, you, you're kind of ratcheting. This is sort of the the bottom of the hill, and then to me, and then you're ratcheting up. We're about to get into the martial music, right? Like the dun, 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 the drums, yeah. and that's kind of you could compare that to the to the chains of the roller coasters. It pulls the the cars up the hill, and then when Pharaoh finally hits the button on the drop ship, and we drop, that's the roller coaster. From then on, it's nonstop. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I didn't think about it this way, but bringing up the working woman and the uh, women's lib, and you can even go back to World War II era uh, a little bit here because the, now that I think about it, the pristine nature and the framing of her in that shot where she says, you know, where do you want it? It's a little rosy. It's a little rosy the Riveter, right? Oh, yeah, she's got coveralls. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, think some graphic sense. designer out there has already done this? I, I wouldn't be surprised sure. at all if we did a... <laughs> My hat. If there was an image, uh, if you did an image search, I bet you could find one of, of Ripley. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. And it just says, "Where do you want it?" You know, in broad, like broad lettering across the. Um, but yeah, that's okay. Now that I think of it that way, the cheese factor goes down a little bit more. Yeah, it kind of has a, it is a little cheesy. These moments kind of help us like identify with everybody and kind of like help us sympathize with them. Because we're like, oh, we get that. Yeah, it's kind of cheesy, but it's also like a like a little fist pump moment. And so that way, when they cross the threshold into the shitstorm, it's just we're there with them. As much as we can't identify with space marines or or people that have been in cryosleep for sixty years, we can identify with people like on a day to day thing. And having it, having these little bits and pieces are kind of what like gel the audience into the into the um into the the story. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well. We can, you know, like I said, the, the martial music really kicks in here. We get the drums, the military drums. James Horner's bringing them in. It's time to go to war. I mean, we're right into it now. And we get this, like, good old-fashioned lock and load scene, right? We oh, get yeah. this close-up of Frost shoving a clip into a rifle, you know? And he and we get guns cocking and that music in the background. And we even see that, uh, if you look closely, you see that Frost is wearing a T-shirt that says... Uh, uh, peace through superior firepower, you know, <laughs> right? We, we see this T-shirt right before we we track across a row of guns. And guns then we gun. end up with guns, guns, guns everywhere. And then we end up with Vasquez and the ultimate gun just to seal the deal. So we know what this this little mini scene that we're getting right here. We know what this is about. We're, we're finding out that these guys are armed to the teeth and. Vasquez and Drake, who we've already kind of seen, they, they've been separated from the group before. Like when we they first come out of cryosleep, we get them paired up, we get them doing the pull-ups, we get their little relationship. So we get the idea that they're a team. And now we're seeing that they are a, a team. They're like the, the, the point people yeah. for this platoon. And the way, you know, that they that they uh, protect the rest of you know, the rest of the platoon here is through this gun. Uh, the M65 smart gun. Uh-huh. Now, what do we? What do you guys know about this gun? Uh, both either with the in world or in the uh, as far as the background of the production. Uh, it's all you. Oh, <laughs> I, I know this one. Oh, the, I'm not usually a gun person, but this one's pretty cool. That uh, it's a Steadicam harness. Mm-hmm. So they have these yeah. Steadicams that the camera operator wears that kind of go around their body, up over their shoulders, and around their hips. 
Uh, and that helps support because cameras weigh a lot, like yeah. 50 pounds. They weigh a lot. And if you're doing a steady cam shot and you're walking, if the camera's walking, it's not on a track, then this helps to keep it from being so bouncy. Uh, and so James Cameron had the idea and I was like, what a cool thing that he took this Steadicam harness and then put it onto this gun. And it makes so much sense because those guns that they're walking around with, like you think about like the, the rock with these like giant guns, but that girl in particular, I mean, she's probably five, four or five, five. Like she's, I mean, she's buff as hell, but that's a huge gun. And if you could support all that weight on your body, it's so smart. It was also interesting to see that in this shot, like Drake is wearing his, but hers is like mounted to the table at the time. Yeah, I was. I had to watch it a couple times. From what I understand, she had some trouble with it. You know, as they were preparing to shoot, and maybe even in this at this point, they wanted to get this shot, and they decided, no, let's not risk. You know, her apparently she toppled over at a couple of points trying to hold this gun. She's by the way, she's only five. Jeanette Goldstein only five foot two, so she's very short. Yeah, so. And, you know, there's two ways. I mean, I've heard that story about I've heard the story about James Cameron had this idea from the get go. I've also heard that it was a they, the steady cam part was a um, out of necessity because they wanted to have this massive gun and they wanted these guys to carry it. But it was too unwieldy and wow. too cumbersome. So the smart gun or the not the smart gun, but the steady cam uh, harness became an idea that was out of practicality. Like we want to make sure they can carry these things around and it, whoa, isn't this also really cool was how it came about. Now, I don't know. I mean, you, you always get different stories from different people about these productions, but uh, I'm sure it's, you know, what people want you to think is that James Cameron had this idea all along. It could be true, but uh, it makes a lot of sense that it would also be something they have on set already. They're trying to figure out this problem of a 50 inch gun in the hands of a five foot two woman. <laughs> and they said, wait a minute, what if we just put it on a smart, uh, steady cam harness? So well, I don't know, don't but it's, do it's, it's so well, smart. Here's the thing. I, 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 I don't know if this is an urban legend or something that I just picked up like along the way, but I think he has a patent for this, like as a military application, like the steady cam mounted gun. Mm-hmm. He actually developed a patent and filed for it. He's, he's got many, pat- he's yeah. a patent, maniac the guy has so many one, patents like, on different things enough, like a movie maker develops a patent for a piece of military hardware that i don't know if they have like i don't know if it's practical enough to be useful but he does have in his name a patent for this apparatus as far as military application goes yeah as far as we know they're not using it but you know who knows what kind yeah. of black ops are going on with this <laughs> with the smart gun out there or, or the space <laughs> marines that we don't know about or the space marines that are out there that we just yeah. never heard of um, yeah, it's, I mean, th- to me, this is one of the great innovations of the movie though. I, it's one of those things. And again, just like the loader, I remember this really sticking out to me. And you know, when I f- first saw aliens, I didn't know, uh, uh, anything about a steady cam. I just thought all this tech was really cool. Well, it's nice because it's logical. Like it makes sense. So much stuff. Yeah. You, know, you don't like it when it doesn't make sense, but the loader and then the steady cam, you're like, yeah, that's yeah. cool. And These are physical sense. points in their world that identify with ours we can we can yeah. connect with these points because we can see that this is a thing that could exist yeah it's not too yeah. futuristic keeps it really now cool. while while we think that the gun makes a lot of sense as a as a weapon um or as a prop even do we think it makes a lot of sense that they do this little dance with uh, the- no that's really weird <laughs> here's the thing you have your cheesy bit with Mer- with with, with uh, Ripley. This is my cheesy bit, which just makes me cringe a little bit. This like this whole That's little weird. like ceremonial like badass tango dance they do. It 
drives synchronized gun dancing. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I get it. They want to show us how they work. Yeah. So I get that. But couldn't they have had a more like some kind of a little exercise they were doing or anything other than them just dancing with each other? Like in a way, it's very it weird. A practical choice because she couldn't move it as much in this scene, so she had to have it bolted down. So this was the way they could do it while still illustrating that it moves, but not overtaxing you know her until they could figure out a new way to work her rig. Because obviously she wears it later, but right. maybe that was it. But the choice was just. That's a it's a misstep for me. I, it just takes me out every time I see it. I was just gonna say with Vasquez, uh, I feel like Ripley is especially near and near the end of the original Alien. She Ripley becomes so badass and she's like totally cool. And then you have this tiny little lady who's like so much more badass. Like holy mackerel, this lady, like, she's pretty cool. I was a little part of me that's worried that it's like a gratuitous boob shot. I hate to say well, this, it's but boob. it's a little, it's a little. I don't know. I think that they're verifying that she really is a lady. <laughs> That's the thing is that we talked about this earlier when they do the pull up scene. Yeah. The thing yeah. about Jeanette Gold's the thing about Jeanette Goldstein is at present in 2017, she is a plus size bra salesperson. That's what that's it's like her company. Yep. Yeah. She started it's her company. That's what she does. And we talked about when they do the pull ups earlier in the locker room scene that that was her idea because she was like, look, um, I'm supposed to be passing as a as kind of a guy here, and we have this joke where I'm asked if I've ever been mistaken for a guy, and she's like, "I'm never going to be mistaken for a guy. <laughs> like I need to be doing something else here to make this work." And apparently, it was the, she improvised the idea of the of the pull ups in order to for Bill Paxton's uh, Hudson's little joke about being mistaken by a man to work. So she's fully aware. There's a, there's full awareness of her, you know, cup size. Yeah. I was also I was going to point out too. We have a continuing in the the marine. I don't know what you'd want to call it. Maybe graffiti. The things that they write on their equipment. Uh, you can barely see it here, but Drake does have my bitch written on the side of his gun. Oh, so yeah, says apparently that was his. Well, hers is audio. Right? Hers I like is audio. I don't. Do we see that in this minute or is that the next minute? I can't remember. No, you can see but, it at uh, the very beginning when she loads it and pulls it up. You can see like ADIO. Yeah. So we're starting to get that. We're going to get a lot more of that in the next minute. We're going to get quite a bit of, of Marine uh, body armor graffiti, which is some of my favorite stuff. Actually, I love um, – we'll talk more about it tomorrow, I guess. Um, we also get our first shot of the dropship at the end of this minute, but I was going to ask you guys, you want to save this dropship talk for tomorrow? Sure. Or do you want to talk to tomorrow? Save it. Okay. Roll it. Well, let's save it then. All right. Well, you can find us at alienminute.com or on Instagram at alien minute podcast on Twitter at alien minute pod or over on our Facebook page. Uh, just look for alien minute, uh, pod, the alien minute podcast page on Facebook. Uh, we're also over at T public. Of course, I'll talk more about that tomorrow. Um, all right. Well, we are uh, done with minute 29. Let's move on to minute 30. We'll see you tomorrow.